listening to Mosaic, a Jesus-centered communities podcast. Our goal is to help people experience a Jesus-centered life. You can find out more about us at welcometomosaic.info. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast as well as rate and review it so others can hear it as well. Enjoy the message. Scripture tells us that our life does not amount to much more than that. A mist, a, a, a fleeting vapor that is here for, here for a moment and then disappears forever. And so why is it then we allow this, this precious, tiny moment in eternity, why is it we allow that sometimes, many times, most of the time, allowed to be hijacked and controlled by fearful living. And I'm, I'm actually um, very guilty of this myself. Uh, so super, super vulnerability time here. Um, this is a list of things I fear and I want to share it with you. I fear home invasion. I fear Sarah might stop loving me at some point. I fear my children uh, getting hurt, my young teenage drivers. I fear losing people I love. I, I fear having needs. I fear being falsely accused of a crime I didn't commit. I fear accidentally committing a crime and then going to jail for it. I fear not having enough money. I actually fear having too much money too. I fear getting lost, like literally lost in a forest or something. Um, I fear uh, my son, and this isn't a joke, I fear my son being eaten by bears because I've been having this reoccurring stress dream for the last four years where Jackson has been attacked by bears and sometimes big cats, and I can't help him. I, I, I fear that all I do is let people down sometimes. I fear mosaic falling apart under my watch. I fear other people's unspoken expectations. I fear that the dollar is on the verge of collapse. I fear a country that I grew up loving has changed in more bad ways than good and may never be the same. I fear having to make decisions for this church without all the facts. I fear not being able to provide for my family. I fear my kids making bad decisions. I fear becoming self-deceived. I fear missing opportunities. I fear losing everything. I fear bad people getting away with bad things. I fear accidentally hurting people. I fear the warranty ending on my car and not being able to afford the repairs. That's not a joke. I fear the big C church is lost, and I fear that maybe they always have been. I fear the six-figure AC unit in this building breaking down and not being able to repair or replace it. I fear accidentally doing my taxes wrong and being audited by the IRS. I fear hyperinflation. I fear uh, misrepresenting God's word from this very stage. I fear having... This isn't a joke either. I fear having to eat something gross on a missions trip in order to not offend the locals. I've had to do that so many times. 
I really, I fear a lot of things more than that's, that's just on this list. And what it really comes down to, I think more than anything, is I fear the unknown. And that's all I got, according to scripture. And it kind of seems to be riddled with fear. Uh, so let me pray for us and then I'll tell you what I'm getting at. Okay, pray with me. Oh, Holy Spirit, we just, uh, we pause to come before you. Before we open the scripture uh, and attempt to learn together from it, uh, we come and just ask uh, that you might come and, and ready our hearts, ready our spirits to hear from you. Would, you. would you cleanse our minds from any sin or any distraction? And as we meet together this morning, we know that there are other others in the family of God that are doing the exact same thing right now. And so we want to lift up brothers and sisters uh, over at South Fellowship Church. Pray for Pastor Alex, who's there, and his team, that you would multiply their efforts as they attempt to move your kingdom forward, just as we are. We pray the exact same thing for ourselves. Would you, would you help us continue to move your kingdom forward? Help us as individuals and as a collective church, stay far from sin and close to you. Lastly, I pray humbly for myself that you would just allow my, my words to be of value, allow them to be truly inspired by you, allow them to be true. I pray this in the name of our, our very powerful Savior. Amen. Well, uh, thank you for sitting through my little therapy session there. Uh, so I, I shared my laundry list of, of fears with you uh, because today we are continuing our series on praying through the Psalms and specifically praying through our fears. And so I, I share this with you to just kind of help you see that I kind of have some authority to speak on this specific topic, okay? Now, we have all sat through plenty of sermons on fear. Uh, fear not, the Lord is with you, right? Absolutely, that is absolutely true. Uh, of course he is. But I, I feel like the scripture, as it often does, has maybe something more and something new to reveal to us today. So, uh, but before we do that, we need, to, we need to understand fear itself a little bit better. Fear, it's one of the, the very, very first things we teach our kids to manage from birth. We both encourage them to fear the right things like a hot pot on a stove or the, the ledge uh, next to the staircase, but we also attempt to help our kids from birth overcome their fears, right? And uh, with bravery and with action and trying new things. Fear, it's just a part of our everyday life. It always has been and it absolutely always will be. See, see fear is not necessarily a bad thing. For example, uh, your fear of plummeting to your premature death, it helps keep you from getting too close to the ledge at the Grand Canyon with your selfie stick, right? Your fear of maybe not being able to pay your rent helps you maybe not gamble away your last paycheck. See, I once heard a pastor say this. Uh, he said, the goal isn't to be fearless. The goal should be to fear less, as in fear fewer things. Fear the right things, fear eternal things, but don't, don't fear the temporal things. But like I said, <clears throat> fear isn't, it isn't altogether bad. Uh, fear is sometimes the result of our capacity to just remember the past and predict likely outcomes 
and scenarios in the future. In some cases, healthy fear helps us plan. It helps us strategize and make progress and foresee things. Healthy fear can help us uh, imagine what could be if we were to be careless or reckless in our decision-making. Uh, but, but healthy fear, that, that is not what plagues us, uh, at least not for me. The few healthy fears I have, I've, I feel like have helped me make prudent and wise decisions in life. No, today, today we are talking about the fear that cripples, the fear that steals life, and it steals joy, and it steals hope. Most of the things on my list that I read you are those types of fears, the types of fears that are debilitating, the types of fears that they just, they pilfer life and joy. So I want to read you um, our psalm for today, Psalm 3, and I want to also tell you another a Bible story from the, the New Testament after that. But a little background on Psalm 3. This is, this is one of 14 psalms that David wrote that specifically addresses a specific situation and moment in his life. So this particular psalm that David wrote um, is in response to uh, when David was in the throes of his son Absalom's betrayal of him. He was... Um, hunting him and trying to kill him, and also just general disloyalty from all of Israel towards David. So let me read you that, and then we'll, we'll move to our New Testament um, story. So Psalm 3, this is David speaking. This is David praying, actually. Oh Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. So many are saying God will never rescue him. But you, oh Lord, are shield around me. You're my glory. You're the one who holds my head high. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept, yet I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I'm not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter their teeth. O wicked, victory comes from you, my God. May you bless your people. David, uh, he knew how to pray, right? He's literally asking God to slap people on his behalf. That is a bold prayer. That is a bold prayer. Now, uh, let's fast forward a thousand years. I told you I had another passage for you. This is a short account that you can find in the Synoptic Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, and I want to read you Mark's version of, of this story. Now, you should know, uh, before I read this, this, this had probably been a really long day. Uh, a long day of ministry for Jesus and the disciples, a lot of preaching, a lot of, of healing, uh, a lot of ministry stuff. And so as you kind of read between the lines of this story, you can kind of tell the general vibe of this moment was one of exhaustion for all of them, Jesus included. So they hop into some boats uh, on the Sea of Galilee, and, and they, they start to head across that. And I've actually been on a boat on the Sea of Galilee, uh, which is really more of a, just a really big lake than anything else. But either way, uh, it, it's pretty powerful to float on the very body of water that Jesus took under his command in this story. Uh, sidebar, like I mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago, Sarah and I are actually in the process of planning a mosaic trip to Israel, hopefully for 2024. So be on the lookout for that if that's something you're interested uh, and one more fun fact before I actually read this. The Sea of Galilee, it actually sits about 680 feet below sea level there in Israel. So the, the Sea of Galilee, Galilee actually sits in the bottom of like this valley with mountains all around it. And often, even to this day, 
Winds will come down sometimes from all directions and just create astounding storms on this lake. Uh, just amazing stuff that we don't really see. Sometimes you see it on Lake Chaffield, but not like this. Not with wind from every direction in this, this bowl. And so to, to read stories about storms on the Sea of Galilee, I mean, it, it's, it's, those things happen even to this day. So anyways, I'm saying too much. Let me read Mark chapter 4. Uh, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although some other boats followed. But soon, a fierce storm came in. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him? So they start out on what's probably um, a 45-minute journey across this lake. All hell breaks loose. Um, the, store, the storm rolls in unexpectedly and suddenly. It is now tossing this boat from swell to swell. Water is coming into the boat faster than they can, they can pail it out. And meanwhile, Jesus is at the back of the boat napping on a cushion. Waking him up, one of the disciples asks him, do you even care? Do you even care? We are about to drown. And it kind of seems like you're unbothered by this, Jesus. Does it ever feel like that, maybe? I know sometimes, if I'm being honest, in my weaker moments of faith, it kind of feels like that. Maybe like the flood water is coming into your boat. You know that Jesus is aware of it, but he kind of seems to be asleep nevertheless. And I think maybe the, the three tellings of this story by three different guys, I think maybe that was left for us in our, in our scripture to remind us that we are not the first ones to ever feel like sometimes Jesus is asleep. We aren't the first ones to ask ourselves, don't you even care, Jesus? My fears are materializing. They are about to come into fruition. My fears are becoming real. And you kind of seem like you're asleep, Jesus, on a cushion. Wake up. Wake up, Jesus. And then Mark tells us, he does. He wakes up. He reveals a, a glimpse of his divinity and his mastery over nature itself. And the scripture tells us those disciples who were fearful before when the storm was raging, they are now, quote, absolutely terrified at this point, asking themselves, who is this man? And I kind of think that is the exact right question to be asking, and we should be asking it too. Who is this man? When fear kind of suddenly appears in your life, are you remembering who Jesus is? 
are you remembering that your Savior not only has mastery over the astounding power and might of nature, but also of your fears as well? And then Jesus, he's asking us a question too, isn't he? Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Oh man, the times in my life that Jesus has, he has shown up, he has proven himself faithful, he has intervened, and yet still sometimes I fear all the wrong things. I shared you, I shared with you my list. Uh, this, is, this is current. This is an active list. I wrote this just last week. We see in this account um, the only thing we ought to be fearing of course, is God himself. That, that is healthy fear. I want to read you something else that Jesus said uh, sometime after this whole boat incident happened. And so let me read you this. This is Jesus talking from uh, the Gospel of Matthew. He said, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. Let me say that again. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows, a copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. So okay, okay. Don't, don't fear those who want to kill your body. That's it. Because Jesus said so. Don't fear those who want to kill you. No big deal. Okay, right? If that's, if that's it, what else is there? Right? What else is there? You know what that stirs up in me? As I read that, you remember the, the last thing on my list here? I said, that, I said that I fear the unknown. But the truth is, there really isn't all that much that is, that is really unknown, right? Remember our lives? They're just a vapor. Our life on this, this planet, it is just a mist, and then it is gone. This actually occurred to me just, just the, the other week when a close friend of mine, he was telling me that he prays for me daily. And he was telling me that he also prays for this person that I care about very much um, who isn't well. And he was telling me that he prays for this person daily. He was showing me his prayer journal or telling me about it. And he, he told me that when he prays for this person, he isn't actually praying for their healing. He is praying that they don't lose themselves and their super sweet and gentle, um, kind spirit. That's what he's praying, that that maintains until the, until the very end. And it took me back for a second when he said that, but that, that is the exact right prayer for him to be praying for this person that I love so much because we know how this ends. There really isn't all that much that is unknown. The truth is very, very little is really unknown. There is no mystery for how this ends for us. This is why Jesus can say with a straight face, don't be afraid, the worst they can do is kill you. The worst they can do in this life on this earth is destroy your body. That's the worst they can do. And we know that is true for everyone. We know that is true for everyone. So whether you have 20, 30, 50, 60, 90 years, whatever it is, 
Why are we spending and striving and fearing all the wrong things? It ends the same for every single one of us, physical death. It ends differently for some of us, though. Either eternal death or eternal life. And it all comes back, it all comes back to Jesus. He is the one that saved David from his, from his son. He is the one that saved all those guys in that boat. He is the one that saves us today in 2023. And he is the one that saves in the very end. He told us what we should fear. Jesus said it very clear. Fear only God because he, he can destroy body and soul, which is the only thing that matters in the end. We should fear eternal separation of our soul from our creator. That is what we should fear. But if you've placed your faith in Jesus, even that is not a weight that you have to carry. Your soul is secure. So you have actually nothing legitimately left to fear if, if you've placed your faith in Jesus. And knowing that, believing that, it can begin to loosen the grip, the death grip that fear sometimes has on our life here on earth. I wonder if you're like me, is, is there fear that you're constantly fighting or you're constantly denying something that is stopping you from living your life? I know I have some of that holding me back. Some of the things I just read you. Fear, it has the power to cripple you. It has the power to cripple you for your entire life if you don't, if you don't figure out how to manage it and put it in its proper place. And fear, it deactivates the potential of the Christian. Fear also can, I've seen it happen before, fear can deactivate the potential of an entire church. So what do you do with it? What are the, the practical steps for not, not becoming fearless per se, but fearing less? How do you stop worrying so you can live your life to its fullest? Stop waiting for what you hope is right around the corner. Yes, look to the future. Absolutely look to the future. But don't stay in the foxhole uh, because you fear today or you fear this season. I can be guilty of that. I told you this a few weeks ago. We were talking uh, about worry, which worry really kind of is just uh, fear evolving itself into something a little more tangible, right? I told you that I've been training myself to reflexively start praying whenever the fear creeps back into my, into my mind, into my heart. And I want to tell you, I'm, I am getting better at this. I really am getting better at this. This is a daily exercise and practice for me. And it, and it seems to keep a lot of the fears at bay. You know, sometimes scripture is a lot less clear on specific topics, but that is not the case with fear and anxiety and worry. You're likely familiar with Philippians 4, 6. It says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then, as in after you do that, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we, we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And here's the thing, praying through our fear, that's not a one-time thing either. Not a one-time thing. It is retraining your brain and your spirit by going to God whenever the fear starts approaching. Sarah and I, we were chatting about this this week and I love how she put it. I wrote it down here. She said, she said, praying through your fear is kind of like a muscle 
It needs to be strengthened. It needs to be exercised. And the more you do it, the more it becomes second nature, easier and stronger. But, but here's the, the whole thing. The point I think Jesus was trying to make when he said the worst that they can possibly do is kill your body. Here's the thing. Listen. Sometimes the body gets killed. Sometimes the worst happens. And that's really scary to consider. I know my friend Jaylee is probably feeling that right now. People die. Even kids die. Sometimes people lose everything. They lose all their possessions. Sometimes catastrophe happens. And if our hope, if our peace is found in our circumstances, or even in this false idea that that God will rescue you from all bad things, your faith will falter when the worst comes. And sometimes it does. Sometimes the worst comes. And the freedom from fear, it comes by knowing God's character and meditating on the things that are eternal, not temporal. Everything I shared with you on my list of fears, these are all temporal things, even the churchy things I mentioned. I'm kind of ashamed to admit that. And when fear, when it creeps back in, you have to re-release it to God. It is only when your faith in someone, God, is bigger than your fear in something, that fear can begin to lose its control in your life. Training yourself to instinctively bring your fears before your Savior in prayer, I am convinced that is the, that is the only way to conquer fear. When your faith grows strong enough that you begin to believe that as long as your soul is safe, nothing in this life actually has power over you. That mindset, that type of faith is the only way to truly get on the other side of fearful living. I am convinced of that. I'm not saying I am there yet. I am simply saying as you look at scripture, as I look at what Jesus says, praying through the fear, praying through the seasons of fear, praying through the times when fear becomes reality and the worst happens, and then praying through the recovery of that, that closeness with Jesus, that is only found in prayer and in scripture. That is the key to, a, to adopting that mindset of, no worries, the worst they can do is kill my body. That's the worst. But you need to remember this. You need to remember this so that you don't uh, give up in prayer. Listen, sometimes God doesn't move how you want or you think a good God should. Sometimes he doesn't do what he did before. And then we're left kind of feeling confused or hurt or abandoned. It is in those moments that it is so important. Your job is to remain faithful in prayer and faithful in belief. And I think the reason uh, for this, the reason that he, uh, he doesn't always do exactly what he did before in exactly the same way, I think the reason for that is so that we don't, as his people, try to systematize or hack or manipulate God in, in our prayers and bend him to our wills. Does that make sense? Like if, if we found this secret recipe in prayer to always getting what we wanted or felt like we, we should have, 
if we found the way to control God, I promise you we would. We would exploit that, absolutely. And then our dependence on the Lord, our fear of the Lord, that would all just evaporate. So all that to say, all that to say, when God is not responding in prayer the way you, you think he should or the way that he even has in the past, you gotta try to trust in that. Try to believe that there's a reason beyond your current ability to see it. There's a reason that he protects us from some of our fears and some of our troubles, but not from others. There's a reason. What that reason is, I couldn't even begin to say. That's God's stuff. That's not for you or me to, to know. But if you can get to that level of trust, that level of faith, I am telling you, freedom from fear, freedom, freedom from fearful living, it is right around the corner from that level of trust. So uh, let me bring us back to Psalm 3, verse 5. We see in, in verse 5 that David, he didn't lose any sleep over this. He didn't lose any sleep over the, the fact that his son was hunting him and trying to kill him. He was being hunted by his own son, backed by 10,000 people, and yet his prayers show us that he rested easily, knowing that God was watching over him. There is rest in the assurance that God hears our prayers, not necessarily in what he does with our prayers, but that his ear, it is always turned towards us. He always hears the prayers. And so if you, if you, like me a lot of times, are lying awake at night worrying about the things that you cannot control, I want to encourage you to give it to Jesus. Give the control of that outcome to your Savior and then go sleep and, and rest comfortably, peacefully, on a cushion. Be at peace the way that, that Jesus was at peace in the stern of that boat when the storm was raging, be at peace the way David was at peace when his own child was, was hunting him. Be at peace and fear the things of this life less. Because your God, your God, he will conquer the things of this world. And if your faith is in Jesus, he has secured your soul's place in eternity. When held next to eternity, your life on this earth is but a momentary mist, a fleeting vapor, and the worst this world has to offer is to kill your body. But your soul, your soul can find rest. It can find security in your Savior, Jesus. Believe in that. Trust in that, and I promise you, oh, I promise you the fear will begin to slowly melt away in your life. Uh, let me pray for us. The Holy Spirit, would you help us trust in that? Help me trust in that. Help us rest in the security of eternity. Would you help us instinctively and reflexively turn our fears over to you in prayer when they, when they bubble up as often as is needed? Would you help fear begin to lose its voice in our lives. And also, we just, we acknowledge the power and the might of our Savior, Jesus. His power over nature, his power over sin and death, his power over our, our fears. And we claim that this morning. 
pray these things through your power, Holy Spirit, and in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We invite you to connect with us. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at welcometomosaic.com slash give. Have a great week.